Welcome to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney. And I am Carl. And this is episode 10. Today we are discussing Trigun Part 2. And as always, there will be spoilers throughout the episode, so you've been warned. Trigun. We've, we finished it. It's, it's over, and there's a big hole in my heart now because I loved it. Yeah, and there's that period of time after you finish like a tv show or a series where you just let it sit for a bit and you just contemplate it and you kind of go into a withdrawal and i feel like that's the mood that we are both currently in right now yeah that like post show high that high you get and you're just like all you can think about is like like you said the show you want to analyze it over analyze it you go i know you go and read different like theories and synopsis synopses synopses yeah synopses and i'm I like to browse, um, you know, fan comments and, and opinions about about the show or about a particular episode or event. So that's what we've been doing for the last several days since we finished Trigun. So let's start off similar to how we did in the last episode, part one, um, with a, a rundown of the second half of, of the series. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of shit to unpack from the second half of this series. Uh, so I wrote a synopses of each episode like I did last time, um, and it's a little bit longer than I expected, so just bear with me. But just to preface again as a refresher for everybody, Trigun is the anime adaptation of a manga series written and illustrated by Yasuhiro Naitao, released in Japan in 1998, 2003 in the U.S., and directed by Satoshi Nishimura. The series follows Vash the Stampede, the most feared outlaw on the planet Gunsmoke, and has a $60 billion bounty price on his head. He displays a kind-hearted, goofy demeanor and goes out of his way not to hurt anyone if he can help it. Most of the destruction blamed on him is actually caused by the extreme measures people take to capture or kill him for the reward. As a result, he has been nicknamed the Humanoid Typhoon. In the second half of the series, Moore has learned about Vash the Stampede's past, his struggle to come to terms with his own code of ethics, his connection with human civilization on the planet Gunsmoke, and his ultimate showdown with the mysterious figure Knives. So... Next couple of, or, yeah, the next part of the synopsis is going through episodes 14 all the way to the finale, which is episode 26. Episode 14 is titled Little Arcadia, which is a Marilyn Millie episode. The ladies are hired as bodyguards for an elderly couple in the town of Promontory as their estranged son is trying to reclaim the deed for their plot of fertile land to hand over to a ruthless landowner, who's also hired the rest of the abnormal but dangerous Nebraska family in pursuit of the deed. Vash makes a brief but fourth wall-breaking cameo. Episode 15, Demon's Eye. In a Genora, Genora rock saloon, the Roderick Thieves are manipulated into obliterating each other by Legato Blue Summers. The Thieves seek to avenge their brethren later on atop a cliff, but Legato calls in a group of assassins called the Gung-Ho Guns to handle the situation, one of which, Dominique the Cyclops, faces down against Vash in a one-on-one confrontation. Voice actor Steve Blum who we know as Spike Spiegel or Mugen from Samurai Champloo, makes a cameo as one of the Roderick Thieves, right? Yeah, I think he's the main guy in the second batch when they're up on that mountain. Yeah. Uh, episode 16, titled Fifth Moon, Vash seeks out Legato and ends up in the city of Augusta. After making quick work of his reputation to ev- evacuate Augusta's citizens for their own safety, he faces two more members of the Gung-Ho Guns, 
E.G. Mine and Rye Day the Blade. Another voice cameo, this time by Kirk Thornton, who played Jin in Samurai Champloo. As the action starts to heat up, Vash is forced to fire his angel arm, which devastates the city, creates a hole in the eponymous fifth moon, and elevates his already dangerous reputation. Vash disappears shortly afterwards without a trace. Episode 17, titled Rem Savarem, is a flashback episode which explains the events prior to the start of the series. A woman named Rem and a small crew of the Project Seed ship take care of Vash and his brother Knives, who are rapidly developing children of the plant species, interdimensional beings that are tapped as a source of power and energy. The crew seeks out a new planet to colonize after Earth has been rendered uninhabitable. However, a schism develops between Vash and Knives after they have conflicting worldviews about the survival of humanity. Knives devises a plan to stop Project Seeds, leading to Rem sacrificing herself in order for him and Vash to live. Episode Wait, eight. let me just say something about episode 17 really quick. Mm-hmm. It took 17 episodes for us to finally understand mm-hmm. who or what Vash is. And even then, it's still not the full story. But normally, I think that would be crazy in a show to take 17 episodes to find out anything concrete about the main character. But the way the mystery and, and, and the... Um, the way Vash's uh, whole life is is slowly built upon and revealed in the show is done so well that it doesn't feel wrong or doesn't feel annoying or frustrating. It makes sense that that far into the show is when you finally get the satisfying reward of understanding his backstory. Right, um, and I think I we can kind of go into this a little bit later, but I think this episode was obviously like a game changer for the rest of the series moving forward. To me, it felt almost like Attack on Titan um, in Season 3, Part 2, where you start to learn more about um, the actual history behind this so-called feud between the Titans and the humans. Um, so that this whole part was just reminiscent of that for me. Um, but again, we can probably go into that a little bit later on. Um, just to continue with this very long synopsis, uh, episode 18, just titled Goodbye for Now. After the events of Augusta, Vash takes refuge with a girl named Lena and her grandmother in Casted City, adopting the alias Eryx and hoping to live a quiet and peaceful life, until a man, claiming to be Vash the Stampede, starts terrorizing the town. Vash saves Lena from the man and is hospitalized shortly afterwards when Wolfwood arrives to convince Vash to return to his old life. Episode 19, titled Hang Fire, Merrill and Millie return to their posts at the Bernard Deli Insurance Company until they are once again reassigned to follow Vash as he starts up his journey once again. Vash and Wolfwood head to to New Oregon in the midst of a family feud over a murdered distant cousin. The Freeze family abducts the sand steamer that Merrill and Millie were riding on and hold hostages to get revenge on the leader of the Polo family. The father of the murdered daughter tries to avenge her death by killing her murderer, the first in a number of moral dilemmas that Vash must face in this later half of the series. And that's the episode with the genocide song. Genocide? Oh, the one that Vash sings, Yeah, right? I don't know why, but that always stuck with me. I thought it was funny. I, I like that song. Yeah, it was very morbid lyrics, but I think very fitting for Vash's, like, goofy sort of Yeah, and for the situation, attitude. too, because he's trying to scare them. And it's, like, the opposite of who he is and what he believes in, but he sings it so carefree. Right, because he knows, like, he has this reputation and just kind of uses it to his advantage. Um, I I forgot all about that song until you just mentioned it. Episode 20, Flying Ship. Typhoon Jacqueline hits New Oregon 
and Vash uses the winds to visit a leftover Project Seed's ship in the sky. Wolfwood tags along, but is not warmly received by the people living on the ship. The piece is disturbed when Leonoff, the puppet, the puppet master, one of the gung-ho guns, follows Vash onto the ship and begins slaughtering the shipmates. Episode 21, Out of Time, Leonoff announces that there are three other demons aboard the Project Seed ship, who also begin killing shipmates and targeting the plant in order to crash the ship. While Wolfwood faces off against Grey the Nine Lives, Vash faces off against Hopper the Gauntlet, both members of the Gung Ho Guns. The fight leads him into an engine room where he looks in horror at the sight of his fallen friends. The ship ultimately crashes to the planet, and one of the shipmates, Brad, sacrifices himself to save Vash from Lanoff's puppet. Wolfwood then blasts Lanoff to Kingdom Come. Episode 22 Alternative As the group travels to the heavily defended city of Kavus, they encounter a young child that leads them to an orphanage full of abandoned children. The leader explains that they were left to fend for themselves after their parents suddenly entered a trance-like state and wandered away from their villages. The Kibas townsfolk attack the orphanage, believing Vash and his group to be behind the recent deaths of their comrades, which was ultimately Legato's doing, until the attack is interrupted by strangely organized sandworms, revealed to be controlled by the young child at the beginning of the episode, who is one of the gung-ho guns known as Zazia the Beast. After a tense altercation between Zazie and Vash, Wolfwood shoots down Zazie. Vash is enraged, believing that there could have been an alternative outcome to killing him. Episode 23, Paradise, which, oh my god, this episode. In the town of Tunem, Wolfwood reflects on his troubled childhood and his clash of ideologies with Vash, but is interrupted by the arrival of his mentor, Chapel the Evergreen. It is revealed that Wolfwood has been secretly following Knives' orders to bring Vash to him alive, but Chapel informs Wolfwood that he must now kill Vash instead. Vash and Wolfwood face each other in a duel, but Kane the Longshot begins firing upon them with his impractically long-ass rifle. <laughs> Vash goes after Kane while Wolfwood takes on Chapel, who mortally wounds Wolfwood under Legato's control. Wolfwood ambles to a nearby chapel to atone for his sins until he slumps on his cross-shaped gun, the Punisher, and passes away. R.I.P. And then we all cry <laughs> all night long, all yeah. day, every day. <laughs> That was a hard episode to process. Um, and then we have our last three episodes, episode 24, titled Sin. Vash leaves Meryl and Millie behind after confessing his entire story to Meryl. He arrives in the town of LR, where Wolfwood said he would find knives, but is approached by Legato with a message to meet him outside of town. Vash has a duel with Mid-Valley the Horn Freak, aka Sexy Sax Man, before meeting with Legato, who begins controlling the townspeople and holding Meryl and Millie hostage until Vash is forced to kill Legato in cold blood, a mortal sin which he must learn to come to, which he must learn to come to terms with. Episode 25, Live Through. Ten days after he kills Legato, Vash wakes up in a small town where Meryl and Millie have been tending to his wounds and providing for his basic needs. As he recovers from his injuries, he struggles heavily with the guilt of taking the life of another person. Once the townspeople discover that he is Vash the Stampede, they become hell-bent on removing him by any means necessary until Meryl intercedes on his behalf. Vash is inspired by the similarities of Meryl's courage with that of Rem's, and once again resumes his journey to face Knives once and for all, with the help of Wolfwood's Punisher gun. And the finale, episode 26, Under the Sky So Blue, Vash comes face-to-face -face with Knives in a garden-like setting. He reflects on their childhood aboard the Project Seed ship, their travels together after crash landing on the planet, and all the torment that Knives has put him through up to this point. The two brothers use their guns, their angel arms, and everything they've got at their disposal in one final showdown. Vash gains the upper hand with Wolfwood's Punisher gun as his ace up his sleeve, 
and incapacitates but does not mortally wound knives, fulfilling his promise to Rem to take care of his brother. In the post-credits screenshots, it is implied that Vash reunites with Meryl and Millie, and they all live together happily ever after, at least in my headcanon. <laughs> and that is Trigun Part 2. Oh my god, it was an emotional roller coaster. Like, I, I think um, there's significantly less humor in, in the second half, not to say that humor is absent, mm-hmm. but it's it's a heavier part of the show. It's It's like, as soon as what episode 14 15 starts up that's when the snowball effect happens of like all these things coming to light about vash and the weight and the gravity of the situation i mean he he almost literally has the weight of the world on his shoulders because if he doesn't do the right thing whatever the right thing could be everyone's going to die on the planet like it's kind of crazy to think um so it's it's definitely a heavier part of the the series um but also a very rewarding part because um, you finally get a lot of closure for the most part, which we can talk about, um, about Vash and, and about all these characters, about the story. Um, and thank God you get a happy ending, mm-hmm. which again, we, we can also talk about, but what, what are your thoughts? I mean, again, as a first time viewer, so as a reminder from the last episode, I'm more of a veteran viewer. I watched Trigun when it aired live on Adult Swim back in 2003 when yeah. the dub came out. Oh, yeah, and that's another thing to clarify, too. This is one of the few shows that we're watching dub because I and, and many of our friends um, you know, of the, of the same generation grew up on the dub with Johnny Young Bosch um, on Adult Swim, so we watched it dub. But I, I'm a veteran viewer where I watched it during that era and watched it, I think, one more time since between then and now so this is I, I guess my third maybe my fourth if i can't remember if i watched it a, a fourth or a third time and you're a new viewer mm-hmm. so as a new viewer what are your overall thoughts on this latter half of the season i mean yeah. the series yeah i think the series came as a as a pleasant surprise um after we had you had always talked about how i should watch the show and looking at the opening credits um i remember our again i mentioned this last episode our friends kind of showing us the opening credits and me not knowing what the hell the show was about from that um but looking at or watching the first part and now the second part um i think it is a very intriguing show um a very intriguing space western if you could um categorize it as such but to speak more specifically with this part two of Trigun, as I mentioned before, it there was like a very significant shift in like tone and scope, which reminded me a lot of, again, that part of season three of Attack on Titan where you find out like the truth about the Titans and this whole world of Eldia and like their similar similarities with like Nazi Germany or whatever. Um, and in a way, and this is light spoilers for whoever hasn't watched Parasite, I think that movie too, um, Trigun kind of reminded me of that movie where the movie starts off like almost like happy-go-lucky, very comedic, and then all of a sudden it just takes a really rapid turn. Um, and with Trigun, it was the same way where a lot of the first half felt almost like one-off adventures or journeys where you just see all the like mishaps that Vash falls into and you just think it's all just pure bad luck on his part. But 
then you get into the second half where you really get um, a more in-depth look at Vash's past and how he was established as this legendary outlaw and it's not for the reasons that you think um, and another thing I wanted to point out and I wrote a couple notes about it here is like what it's interesting is that the story no longer becomes about Vash as the bounty but it becomes all more like a little bit more encompassing because it starts dealing with people like philosophies on morals and ethics and what people kind of or perceive of others, like perception of others. Yeah, it kind of shifts from Vash as the the bounty to Vash as the hero, the un right. the unknown hero. Mm-hmm. And again, that's it, it's that's been a recurring theme um, that I think it's just been escalating as the series goes on. Is like no one really knows who Vash is, and just hears all these rumors and hearsay, and even he doesn't know. Like I think he even mentions. Um, to Wolfwood in one of their conversations like because obviously the second half is all about him trying to find knives and Wolfwood asks him like what are you going to do once you once you find him and Vash doesn't even know the answer to that question until the very end Um, so it's almost like a culmination of that question of again who is Vash the Stampede which I think pays like the payoff is very um, satisfying yeah, and to that point, one of the notes I took here is that Rem's last words to Vash, which is, quote-unquote, take care of knives, is ambiguous. I think mm-hmm. we can all assume what she means based on her personality and the lessons that she's taught Vash, but it could easily be taken the other way. Like um, the mafia way of take care of him. Yeah, <laughs> like, me. like off him, because this, this bitch crazy. So you kind of struggle through the last half of the the series wondering, like, what is he going to do when he finally finds his brother? How can he ever... Because I think the show pushes you to think, like, there was no way, for the most part, for Vash to get out of killing Legato, right? Mm -hmm. So if Vash couldn't even get out of killing Legato, how can he possibly get out of killing Knives? And so the the show pushes you to think that he's going to take a different interpretation on Rem's words, take care of Knives to actually off him and, and finish him and, and get rid of the world's um, big threat. But then we, you know, it's... it's uh, The ending, I think, is so unique because even though Vash made the mistake of killing somebody, because intentionally made the mistake of killing somebody, he still stays true to himself. Um, and unlike many, many other shows where the antagonist is killed at the end, whether it's by the protagonist or other means. This is a show where the protagonist sticks to his guns, no pun intended, and regardless of the level of the threat, he is confident um, and and is fueled by his morals and his beliefs to keep this person alive and find another way to quote-unquote save him. Um, so I thought that was just so that, that was one of my favorite things about the show each time I watch it I'm like that is such a great ending to sit through because it's different it's so mm-hmm. different it's it's it shows that you don't need to have a dramatic death in order to have a satisfying um, resolution to not a rivalry but um, that kind of conflict right and I think that's another thing that we touched upon last episode is in a way the show is kind of subverting your expectations. I hate using that word, but or that phrase, but it subverts your expectations of what an outlaw or gunslinger protagonist should be. Um, 
I was reading somewhere that the anime or, or the writer of the series or who created the manga Yasuhiro Naido, um, he purposely wanted to make Vash this pacifist character, meaning that he was again to use this quote is is all about love and peace, which you don't typically see with um, that kind of male protagonist, especially in a series that's so heavily influenced by like these themes of the Wild West and just the rule of outlaw um, in a ruthless countryside. Yeah, it's usually like they have some backstory where like they were put into a situation where they had to adopt this lifestyle and now there's no way out of it and they're trying to be a good person but they're sucked back into it. That's not Vash's backstory. He Mm. was a kind person from the get-go and maintained that regardless of the things that were happening to him and around him. Um, And to that point, I think Wolfwood and Vash are the perfect example of never judge a book by its cover because Wolfwood, being the holy man, being a priest, you'd expect him to be this perfect person with strong morals and and basically be the one to embody Vash's personality, but he's not. He's got the dark past. He's got Mm -hmm. the dirty past. He's the one who doesn't hesitate to kill. He's the one who's giving in to blackmail, uh, all these things. Of course, he's an an amazing character and... and, um, Unfortunately, has to go through death by redemption by death, which is never my favorite um, scenario for for a character. Um, but at least you know he is quote unquote redeemed. Uh, although in in my mind, he was a great character from the get go. And then Vash is on the opposite end of the, of the spectrum, where he's viewed as this this humanoid typhoon, this this killing machine, um, this person with horrible luck wherever he goes. And in actuality, he's probably the kindest person on the planet. Um, or the kindest person in existence. Uh, so yeah, never never judge a book by its cover. Right, and again, that just capitalizes on this idea of the per- one's perception of others. Because like you said, there's a clear juxtaposition between Vash and Wolfwood. Like you said, you expect Vash to kind of be the villainous character because of his reputation, and Wolfwood being a man of the... A man of the cloth, like he is the more righteous one. But um, what I like is again, you're they're kind of reversing roles in that sense, where you find out like Wolfwood was actually the bad guy this whole time, and then like Vash is just trying to do good, but he just has almost like a curse following him because of his connection with his brother. Yeah, I think um, so. Let's talk about that a little bit. The the whole situation surrounding Vash. Because it's something that I wanted to at least briefly touch on. There's a point, uh, I think when Vash first arrives to wherever the hell Knives is. Um, one of LR, the first, I think, yeah. One of the first things that Knives asks him is, like, are you having fun? Or, or something to that effect. Like, basically saying, like, how are things saving these people who are basically trying to kill you? And Vash says, it's great. Um, obviously, partly, I don't know if it's partly sarcastic or what, but it's in, uh, that that that's thought-provoking because a lot of what has happened to Vash and the rumors surrounding him, you'd assume maybe were started by by Knives, right? You go into the Mm -hmm. show and like one of the speculations is, is his life like this because his brother is causing these issues? Um, And because, uh, you know, I I don't know, something something like that that's that's not super organic, something that's like, like his hand is forced. But then you find out that Knives has pretty much been in this recovery state since the destruction of July. Um, but it was it was that that occurrence when when Vash's angel arm destroyed the city that 
caused these organic rumors to form by the the people he was trying to save and now they hate him i think i just think it's such an interesting concept because mm. again like you'd expect that someone would say vash is a horrible person and, and start these false rumors but it's just because of a complete misunderstanding that he now suffers constantly when he's just trying to he suffers at the hands of the people he's trying to save and it never causes his beliefs or morals to waver um it, it's just something that when 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 knives asked him that question that's when it really clicked with me like oh shit you're right he's he's got a shitty life because of the people he's trying to save like it's just such a weird situation um but one that again i think is very unique to the show yeah and i think we talked about something similar to this in like one of our my hero podcasts um the fact that you know all of these terrible things can happen to a person but it's really a about their willpower, their resolve, and their fortitude to fight through um, these negative outcomes and still maintain your sense of ethics and your sense of good, and that's what you really uh, see with Vash. And yeah, it's it's always it's always seems like he's in the wrong place at the wrong time, but in that sense, like he, and this is another thing I think the show kind of touches on is the concept of destiny, because obviously like. Vash and Knives were like destined to meet each other at the very end of the road and who knew like from there if Vash was going to join in his brother's crusade to um, take down the remnants of humanity um, because he just viewed them so poorly but it feels like even though Vash is always finding himself in these crazy situations and always ends up almost being like the like the cause of why all this madness is happening he never lets destiny in that sense take control of his life and in the end when he finds out the way that he can um, reconcile having to deal with his past through his connection with his brother knives and trying to save humanity at the same time like again he he finds what he can um, he can control with his destiny and just goes from there some other things that I wrote notes on and I wanted to talk about are all the goddamn parallels that this show has with like other shows and pop culture. Um, first and foremost, I noticed, especially when it comes to like superhero pop culture, um, what I thought was interesting is that Vash becomes a sort of semi-recluse um, right after the Augusta incident. incident where he what's the family's or the girl's name Lena yeah like he yeah he um pairs up with Lena and her her grandmother and kind of tucks away that life and leaves it behind because he knows like there's no good coming out of it which I thought was very similar to um what was it Fat Thor Bro Thor at the beginning of Avengers Endgame oh yeah that's right um or even in that sense um Again, I'm finding my Batman references again. Uh, the Dark Knight Rises, where like Bruce Wayne just becomes a shut-in um, after he willingly takes the blame for um, killing Harvey Dent in The Dark Knight. Um, but yeah, I feel like it. Like I don't think this was an exclu- obviously this isn't an exclusive concept to Trigun, um, but it's just interesting that they 
added the, I think they needed to add this in for Vash just so he can come to another realization like that he has to go back on this path to again try and fulfill his destiny in the way that he can and so he put at once he pulls himself out of the game he, he pulls himself back in another thing that I kind of noted with the parallel with like superhero pop culture is Knives's ideology in that he views humanity as inferior um, very reminiscent to the way that um, Thanos in the Marvel Universe also has a disdain for humanity because they're so flawed. Um, well, humanity or just everything in general? Because I don't think his his qualms were specific to humanity. Because you're talking about thousands of planets and species of, of creatures and beings. I think just society, regardless of yeah. the the type of society is what his issue was centered around. Yeah. And so I guess like, yeah, even though knives was specifically calling out humanity in the sense, I think you can also, um, connect that with society and reasoning and logic. Cause he, again, he didn't feel like humans were capable enough of making the right decisions, let alone knowing how to properly live, um, and treat, I guess, like, treat each other in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so another, other parallels um, with pop culture. Assassin's Creed, again, with this, the shift in tone with the second half of the series, and I, I kind of touch upon this later on, but there are a lot of references to, like, biblical things, like Eden. I know that's mentioned a lot, um, where I think Rem, was it Rem? or one of the trio, like Ram, Bash, and Knives. Um, they always reference, like, Garden of Eden, which is a predominant theme in Assassin's Creed. Yeah, I didn't get that. Was Eden a place, or was Eden a concept, or was it, like, the place that Knives was creating, where all of the grass was? I think that was supposed to, like, Eden is, like, a metaphor just for, like, a, a sort of utopia or paradise which is kind of like that was their ultimate goal with Project Siege, right? Because yeah. the Earth had become so uninhabitable that they needed a new place where they could kind of restart and like start fresh. Um, and so I don't think like Eden was an actual. It wasn't a place. It's more just a concept, right? Right. Although again, it's interesting that the very last episode you find knives in a garden, um, which I think was supposed to represent Eden. But yeah, all these references to Eden, again, similar to what was happening in Assassin's Creed. And another thing is the idea of, like, what... Like, we find out that Vash and Knives aren't of, like, the human race. Like, they're of a completely different species. Yeah. And my first thought was, like, oh, are they supposed to be, like, angels? But I read the Trigun wiki after we watched the show, and I don't think... Like, they mentioned plants... In the show specifically, which I think we all took as the actual facilities that were powering all these towns. But I guess plants is actually the species that fashion knives are from. Um, and then, like, you, I think there was a scene, was it in, in this half, where you see Vash interacting with one of those, like, bulbs. Yeah, when um, when Brad is trying to stop the the plant from exploding on the siege ship, he like walks up. Vash walks up to the cracked 
bulb or whatever and you see like uh, this figure of a, a person type mm-hmm. creature um appearing through it he's like interacting with it right and then i think that was where like it all clicked because i remember saying something when we were doing part one was like how the hell did vash survive that, that plant from well, prevent that plant from exploding um when he was was her name elizabeth like the engineer who trapped him into that in that yeah. facility. Uh, so it makes sense now, like how he was able to survive that. Cause he has that connection um, with what we assumed were these intangible objects, but we're, we're actually, I guess his brethren um, again, similar concept where assassins creed um, you have this civilization called like the ones who came before or the first civilization. I don't know. It feels like, um, this the Assassin's Creed series might have taken some liberties from from Trigun in this sense of um, this almost like omnipotent species existing alongside humans. Um, small parallel with Star Wars. I think obviously the biggest thing is the desert planet of Gunsmoke, um, which I think like Star Wars was a little bit influenced by. Like not just Japanese culture, but but some westerns. But Gunsmoke almost feels like um, a Tatooine in that sense. Again, like a the two sons. Yeah, like there, I noticed there are a lot more motifs of two sons, like in the later half of the series. Like there was always a shot of them either like at high noon or a couple of them like at the sunset. So I thought very interesting, and I'm sure that was probably an homage to Star Wars which kind of kicked off like this new era of pop culture in a sense. And of course the inevitable parallels that people will find with Trigun and Cowboy Bebop. I'm pretty sure I mentioned like Steve Blum cameoed in an earlier episode, but I'm, I think Jet voice actor we noticed had a cameo in a role. I think so. We need to confirm that, but it sounded very, very much like him. I don't remember the exact episode though, but I know once we heard it, like we both said, like that sounds like Jet. Yeah. Um, which isn't a surprise because again, these two shows came out like around the same time. Um, and I'm sure those voice actors were available for for anything that that um, at that time. Um, Trigon also has a similar story with Cowboy Bebop, where in Bebop this isn't like mentioned specifically, but I think most of that series takes place like around Mars or like other planets in the solar system because it's established that Earth is no longer ha- um, habitable by humans just because of like it's in a very bad state um, environment wise. So it's interesting that these two shows have that similarity there. Um, and again, the last thing is the uh, climax where I felt like Vash having to face knives was almost similar to um, Spike having to face Vicious at the very end mm-hmm. to kind of come to terms with his past. Um, and we meant, like you mentioned this before, like you didn't, whereas you knew like Spike and Vicious that was going to go down the way that you expected with this show, the showdown between Vash and Knives, it it went away that I think most of us would not have expected, um, again, to have this very pacifist ending 
onto it. So I think that's where Triacon can kind of stand up on its own when you compare it to uh, a Cowboy Bebop. Yeah. The other thing I kind of wanted to address that I really picked up on with Trigun is, again, with in terms of themes, again, of morality and ethics, um, I think there was also a very big um, religious aspect that I picked up on. Oh, for sure. Yeah, which I think it... I don't know if this is kind of something that was like a new concept in anime at that point where like the storyline is almost driven by like a religious aspect um i don't know if you um i mean from the anime i watched i feel like that was unique to this show but there there may have been other things in that era that were similar yeah um but again me being in that post trigun sort of withdrawal i just started thinking about all these things all these images um that popped up in the show and again me being raised like i'm not like like a super religious person like i was born and raised catholic but um there are very like a lot of different aspects of my faith that i kind of find in everyday life and i was able to identify that a lot here um in the show the first off being like again juxtapositions where you have Vash and a lot of people call him like the devil in a red coat. And that's what our perception of Vash is at the beginning of the show. But then you start to think down the road as you see Vash interact with all these characters and all these villains. Um, you just start to wonder like, who is the true devil? Because even though we associate red with like something evil, in this sense where we start to feel like Vash is actually the good guy out of this situation. And funny enough, Red is associated, at least to him, um, with something of strength and courage, which right. is the, the was the red flower that, um, is, that Rem loved, and he kind of mirrored his coat off of that. Yeah, uh, Red Geranium. Yeah, the Red Geranium. Which, yeah, he said represents determination and courage. And what I find interesting is, again, you see another thing of... Pers- uh, an idea of perception here is that when you first see Legato um, or even Knives because I think Knives is wearing a suit of this color like they're both dressed in white which you would typically associate with like good or a purity um, but in this case both of those characters Knives especially um, it kind of serves as the antithesis to Vash where Again, Vash is red, but he represents good. And then Legato or, I guess, Knives in this pic, um, Knives in particular, uh, wears white, but he represents evil. So I guess instead of white being purity in this sense, it's more of white kind of representing nothingness, which is one of the things that, I guess, Knives like is motivated by is trying to... Um, obliterate humanity down to where they don't like no longer exist and so the plant species would become like the superior race in this sense um kind of going a little bit further on that um with the religious aspect fashion knives i think are almost like a literal metaphor of good versus evil and um they're very strong vibes of 
like the story of Cain and Abel. Are you familiar with like the story in the Bible where like Cain and Abel are siblings and I forgot who kills who, but they give off again that very Cain and Abel dynamic, which in a sense like they're they're blood related, right? They're like twin brothers. Yeah, and they they both come from the same like well yeah, what's interesting is that they both come from the same origin, the same situation, right? It's not like somehow they were separated and knives was treated differently and therefore he is the mm-hmm. way he is. Um, they were both just dis- I guess discriminated against because of who or what they are by whoever that that one dude was that got frozen on the ship. Um, G.I. Joe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like they, they both came from the same situation. It's just that Vash chose and gravitated towards a more wholesome um, view on life and Knives just innately gravitated towards the more pessimistic um, evil view on life. So yeah, it's it's a they're very polarized in that way um, and without their hand being forced. Yeah, and again, another thing you can see out of their relationship is in the flashback episode um, I'm pretty sure like you see Knives eating an apple, right? Um... I don't know if it... Well, I know the one dude that raised Wolfwood ate the apple. Yeah. I don't remember if, if... Maybe he was eating an apple. I remember, like, there was a scene... It was, like, around the time that Knives was getting a hair... Or giving himself a haircut. Sometime after that, he was eating something. I'm pretty sure. And I thought it was an apple. Um, Maybe I could be wrong. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember what it was. <laughs> which gave me, like, these notes were pretty wrong. But um, whatever he was eating, I'm pretty sure it was an apple. And I think... In that episode, that kind of symbolized his fall from grace, um, where he all of a sudden has this realization of what he perceives humanity to be and why they should be eliminated. And that's very similar to um, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, again, with that reference being in the show, um, where I believe like Eve ate the apple from the tree of knowledge and gave it to Adam, um, where in this case, Knives is Eve, and then Vash is like Adam saying no to Eve, because they don't. Again, they have that clash of ideologies of over what, um, or whether or not humanity deserves to survive um, after the destruction of Earth. Um, so a lot of again biblical metaphors that kind of creep into the show there. Um, one thing also is that stupid fucking pebble song. I also realized. Um, there's a big religious part of that too, and I wrote some of the lyrics here. I'm not gonna sing the song, but the lyrics that you hear. What was that kid's name? Was it Kite? When he yeah, I think so, Kite. Yeah, you know, he started singing, and then Vash looks at him, and it reminds him reminds him of Rem. Um, the lyrics go so on the first evening, a pebble from somewhere out of nowhere drops upon the dreaming world, and then so on the se- second celestial evening, all the children of the pebble held hands and composed the waltz. And I think those lyrics are almost synonymous with the biblical story of creation. Um, in this case, it's like a series of like domino effect events, th- starting from this pebble and becoming a ripple effect to eventually create this world, which I think it was in the song. It's supposed to be over eight evenings. Um, in the Bible, it's over seven days, and the seven days that God used to uh, create the world, and that song, I think, not just not only has that Christian aspect, but it the song 
represents like Rem's dream to prolong the survival of humanity, which obviously is like why I think like she sings the song and Vash is so um, like he associates that song with her memory. Um, and I think the biggest like in your face religious thing about this show is obviously the symbolism behind Wolfwood is obviously like again he he's touted as a priest and is a man of the cloth but what I found interesting is that his gun is in the shape of a cross and I just thought like oh that's just kind of playing into his priest motif like when you first meet him in the desert and he's carrying this big thing but and maybe this is just like far-reaching but I think the gun being in the shape of the cross also symbolizes like the figurative cross that he has to bear knowing that he has to be like he's on a journey he's not like on this journey happenstance where he runs into Vash like he actually has to escort Vash to Knives and kind of protect him in a way but also to kind of ensure that um like he like Vash gets assassinated in the end yeah I can see that um yeah so again that's like a heavy cross that I think that he has to bear and even he mentions in the paradise episode he says like my sins are too heavy and that's not just in reference to his situation with Vash but just his upbringing as this I don't know are they like assassins like whatever he was part of with Chapel the Evergreen I don't know maybe or I, I was I was confused by that if 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 he was brought up by Chapel in a bad situation and then kind of like broke ways with him because Chapel became a gung ho gun, I think later on, at least for, for the purpose of killing Vash. Um, I don't know. It was the whole thing was a bit confusing, mm-hmm. but. Or were they like actually the gung ho guns or were they just, like you said, suddenly initiated into it? I don't know. I'm not sure. It's very, it's not very clear in mm. the show. I guess they're just the, the crusaders <laughs> in this sense. But, um, and one quote that really stuck out with me is, I think Wolfwood says this in Hangfire, which was the family feud episode, um, where he says, we're nothing like God. Not only do we have limited powers, but sometimes we're driven to become the devil himself which I think was such a powerful statement in that episode because right around that time is when you have this very tense showdown or like who was it the father of the murdered daughter um, that causes the whole family feud is about to shoot the who he suspects is the murder of his daughter and he like I think that's why Wolfwood was commenting on that like um it's so easy for someone to suddenly take the easy way out. Um, but in this sense, it's a very gray area of morality because you're, you're questioning, like, is it right for this man to kill his daughter's murderer um, as an, as a way of, I guess, justice being served? Or is it going to hurt the man because he's going to become a murderer himself? Which... It's again the the quote that Wolfwood says there is just really powerful and just makes you think like what is the right thing to do in this situation, and um, and that also just plays into Vash's character where he, he again he's constantly struggling with these moral dilemmas that he sees. Um, the first 
of which is like this scene between the father and his daughter's murderer and then you see again with what's his name zazi the beast mm-hmm. the the child assassin um which he you can see he's making attempts to kind of draw him away from assassinating vash but then wolfwood takes the ultimate shot in the end to kill him um and that's where the title of that episode alternative comes from like vash wanted to find the alternative but wolfwood wasn't open to that and again you're you're it goes back to thinking like what's the right thing to do in this sense um but i think all again all of these events make vash realize like the right thing in this case is always to save life like save as many lives as you can or to choose saving a life when it because that's what matters most which again very religious (laughs) part of that uh very religious inspired mantra i would say in that sense um so yeah that's my my research paper on trigon and (laughs) It's moral religious code. Well, let's let's <laughs> pivot a little bit or talk a little bit about Wolfwood and his death mm-hmm. because holy shit, that's like probably one of the the heaviest parts of the show, at least for me, because Wolfwood is my favorite character in the series. Um, I knew it was coming, obviously, because I've I've seen the show, and so I I had to keep a a straight face as you were watching it. But I think it it still hit me just as hard um, the third time watching it as it did the first time watching it. Um, And you're just like, no, like, don't die. There's so much more that needs to be done. Like, it it was, I think it happened so quickly. Um, Okay, well, here's the thing. It, It happened quickly, but it wasn't totally unexpected now that I'm watching it again because it had that typical like anime trope where they start the episode off with a lot of backstory about the character who's gonna die and so you're kind of (laughs) like what's happening i think it's become like a meme at this point i have seen seen memes about this like like when you're you're watching an episode and all of a sudden they go really deep into like a a side character's backstory and you're like something doesn't feel right here that's basically what this was so even though i knew it was coming i was kind of like uh that that spoils it in a way yeah because i was gonna say I know when we watched The Walking Dead before, we would always say that, like, there's they're focusing too much on this character. Yeah. Like, it's it's going to be apparent, like, they're going to get offed, like, at the end. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe that was point, part of the show, was to, to prep you for that and kind of hint that, hey, this person's about to die. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always think it's it, it feels kind of spoilery in a way, because um, you're just like, oh, God, what's going to happen now? Uh, but yeah, that, that was, that was a, a tough one to, to watch again. I think what made it harder for me is the the blossoming of his relationship i guess you call it relationship with with millie um (laughs) they finally had an opportunity to like be together which i think we'll talk a little bit more about um soon but to go from that and to know that he had found like a happiness i guess not only with her but with the whole group because he says like i don't want to die i'm not ready to die i want to stay with the girls and with vash um, and the fact that he says the girls, I think just makes it feel way more intimate, right? Like you don't just say that you don't, you don't refer to a couple of people as like the boys or the girls or the guys or the girls, unless mm-hmm. you feel that true friendship with them. So the fact that he said like, I wanted to, I want to stay with the, the girls and with Vashel's, it, it tugged at the heartstrings. And I think it, it showed that for the first time possibly in his life, other than the orphans, um, that he, you know, dedicated his life to, to save, 
Um, he, he found like a family, he found a place where he belongs and people he cares about, um, in, in that way. Um, so it's, it's so sad to see him go from that and recognize that to like immediately dying. <laughs> yeah. Um, the first thing I want to say is that, that Millie thing was just very weird. <laughs> the shot of he's, he's smoking and his, his shirt is off and you see Millie in the bed. It's like, this guy just had a one night stand with her or something. Or is heavily implied, I guess. Um, but you know, if if that was like the eve of his death, like why not go out with a quote unquote bang? bang. <laughs> um, the second thing I wanted to mention with that is if Wolfwood were to live, and I'm pretty sure like he, I don't think he directly said this to Vash, but it's implied like like Vash knew that Wolfwood was there just to kill him, right? Yeah, I mean, that's the whole reason that he came across Vash. It was because he was tasked with this, blackmailed into this by Knives mm-hmm. and his group. And so in that sense, again, connecting this with pop culture parallels is um, s- similar to, uh, was it Kylo Ren's story in Star Wars where, again, light spoilers for Star Wars, but um, there's a redemption arc for Kylo Ren at the end, and... Like, people were rooting for him to, like, redeem himself and then ultimately go on to live, like, a, a peaceful life. But you kind of have to question that because even though, like, Kylo Ren hasn't redeemed himself and has reverted back to being Ben Solo, he still lives, like, with all of these war crimes and, and this guilt where it's, like, if even if this person were to live, are they really going to live like a happy life and I think I see that kind of similarly with Wolfwood where like he had this task of of killing someone who turned out to be like a good friend of his but can he continue like living life and and being good friends with this person knowing that there is this sin that he not fully committed but was on the verge of committing um and obviously like he has a very um ambiguous backstory with being like a priestly assassin so two things first of all that's not a light spoiler (laughs) that is a major (laughs) major spoiler of star wars but hey we always say there's there's spoilers both about whatever we're talking about and other stuff that we're talking about so you you were warned at the beginning of this podcast my bad and two i i think that this is not quite the same as the situation with kylo because the the problem with with it's not the problem i guess what what makes redemption by death more reasonable for kylo's that he he killed how many countless thousands millions potentially of people um he, he's just such a purely bad person um of his own free will yes he was manipulated um to a certain degree but he still you know consciously made the choice to do what he did mm-hmm. that any other ending for him wouldn't feel right because if he lived he would have been tried as a war criminal and people would have demanded his death he would have to live in, live in isolation and blah, blah, blah. Like, it, it wouldn't have been a clean ending for him. In this situation, though, Wolfwood's blackmailed into this. He's not mm. he's not wanting to to kill Vash. His, his initial task is not even to kill him. It's to make sure he lives and is not killed, obviously, um, so that he can make it to Knives. And then towards the end, the plans change, and then he's tasked with killing Vash. And he very clearly does not. And he, he makes that choice to not do that. Um, but 
my understanding is Wolfwood wanted to get away from this life, so he he dedicated his life to the orphanage and helping other people. And then again, because he was blackmailed, had to go on this journey um, to to find Vash and, and get him to knives. And I think Vash recognizes that. It's very clear that Vash realizes towards the end of Wolfwood's arc that he has some sort of connection to knives and that he was tasked with something um not so great but vash is not uncomfortable by that like he, he's not left mm-hmm. to feel uncertain about wolfwood or anything like this it's like vash knows wolfwood so well by this point that even though he's pretty sure that that wolfwood is supposed to kill him he's confident he won't like at no point at least do i personally get the sense that vash is now distrusting of of wolfwood at any level so i think that that's different where it's it's less satisfying or less reasonable for Wolfwood to have a death or redemption by death arc or ending to his arc because I'm like he didn't have to die. Um, yeah, and I'm sure like Vash always sees the good in people. Yeah, right? like Vash would have been totally fine, and I'm sure Millie would have been fine too, and Meryl would have accepted it because he, without any influence from the three of them, made the conscious choice to not do that in. And in doing that, he endangered the the orphans, technically. Like, that's mm-hmm. how heavy that decision was, and yet he still chose to not kill Vash because he knows that Vash is a good person. Oh, shit, what happened to the orphans? I know, I was just about to say, like, we never get clarity on what the heck happened with... I mean, I assume that nothing happens to the orphans because... There's no one to check on them yeah. since Chapel's dead. And... <laughs> and I'm sure Vash will make knives, you know, call that off or whatever, but... But yeah, so I don't know, I... I'm very saddened by Wolfwood's death because I felt like it didn't need to happen. I, I think it, it served its purpose in the story, and I think that it would be weird maybe if he lived. I, I think I would personally be happier if he lived because he's an awesome character, but I get it, and I've accepted it. But then Wolfwood does cameos almost like a force ghost at the at the in the fi- uh, finale where he's like what are you doing you needle needle, needle neck- noggin needle- see that's a, okay I don't know if that's like uh, is that a semi-direct translation from the 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 Japanese version because I'm mm-hmm. like who is the fucking weeb that wrote some of these lines in in Trigun this goes to our point from the last episode where Trigun is a great show but it didn't necessarily age the best the humor is very campy blah 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 and some of the writing for the dub is like what the fuck is that like who calls somebody a needle noggin I'm like way to take <laughs> Wolfwood's cool factor down 10 notches by making him not once, but multiple times say needle noggin like it's a part of his regular vocabulary. It's like a nerf herder in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, I'm like... Stupid word, but... Well, I'm like, there was some weeb tasked with writing some of these lines, and, and they, they mm-hmm. very much weaved it out. Uh, but yeah, I, I still liked that. Like, I don't know if this was an actual spirit of Wolfwood, or if this is Vash thinking, like, what would Wolf would do in this situation, but... The vo- his voice is there to tell Vash, like, you're an idiot, look at what's next to you, and then you can take down your brother. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. I think that that was a great way to... I mean, literally, in a sense, like, Wolfwood, or in essence, of him, saved Vash's life. Like, that. that's very powerful, because, as I mentioned in the last podcast episode, I love that, again, very unique to this show, and... and um, unlike most the anime at least nowadays that you see there was not like this in this long-lasting rivalry like in the beginning there was a short rivalry between them but they very mm-hmm. quickly realized that each other that the other person was a good person and they formed this wonderful friendship and you see that um you know have its ups and downs throughout the show and so for 
Wolfwood to be the saving voice, quote unquote, of, of Vash's, um, you know, what do you call it? Um, not final hour, but like 11th hour or whatever. Yeah. Um, that I thought was great. I thought that was such a, a fitting way for Vash to be saved was indirectly by Wolfwood and what he taught him and, and him being there for him. And full circle and R.I.P. Wolfwood. Wolfwood. Let's talk ships. Because this mm. show very clearly has some, well, I guess two defined ships. And one of them could be argued, but piss off. I know that this is this is going to be canon somewhere somewhere in the universe. So you've got Millie and Wolfwood. And I know you, you alluded to this a little bit already, but in Wolfwood's last kind of moments, they officially, I'm pretty sure we can all assume they officially get together, um, which is fantastic. But even leading up to that point... Because your boy's about to die. Yeah. <laughs> That's why. But even leading up to that point, they're just like such a wonderful, natural couple because Millie's such a sweet person and Wolfwood's a very sweet person too. He just likes to be rough around the edges. And they have that, that first moment where they're hiding the girl and, and Millie pretends to be pregnant <laughs> and calls him honey and stuff. And he just loves it. He eats it up. He's like, this is fun. Um, and you can just tell that they, they very naturally have compatible personalities and I love that it wasn't ambiguous in the end like they made it very clear that like yes they like each other they got together and even in Wolfwood's literal final moments you have that shot where he's looking at the cross in front of him and the shot pans up and the first two images you see are of Meryl and Vash and then at the top much bigger than the others is Millie I think that's symbolism for his true feelings about Millie. Like, it wasn't just... I know it was technically a one-night stand, but I felt like it wasn't just him wanting to hit it and quit it because he felt like he might die soon. I think it he truly had feelings for her, um, cared about her, and wanted to be with her, um, but obviously died in the end. And another and point to that, too, really quick, is to kind of support my thought around that is when he kills Ozzy after having, like, you know, really good interactions with Millie, she, she looks at him with such disappointment and mm. such, like, concern. And in the next episode, he thinks back to that that look of, that she gave him and says, like, don't look at me that way. Like, I, I had no choice or something like that. Or there are extenuating circumstances here. Meaning he felt that. He really felt it when, when Millie had that disappointment in him. And that, that, that resonated very, very hardly with him. So I, that's why I'm like... I feel like there's more to this than just him trying to hit it and quit it before he dies. Like, I really do feel that the show put them together and it was fucking canon. And he even says, like, when you see the image of... I think it's when you see Millie's image come across um, the cross. Like, he's, he sounds something like, I'm sorry, sweetie, right? Yeah, like, he cares about or cared mm -hmm. about her. Which is great, because Millie's a wonderful character, and you want her to, to be cared for by someone who's equally awesome. Yeah, but she's tall as fuck. <laughs> yeah, luck luckily, he's taller than her, because, yeah. Now there's anything wrong with no, the yeah. woman being taller than the man or whatever. It's just... She was really tall. Yeah. <laughs> then, on the other side of things, you've got Meryl and Vash, which is less clear, much more... Um, ambiguous about what's going on there. I, I think they did make it very clear that Meryl develops feelings for Vash. Mm -hmm. um, and my personal feelings, and I know this can be a point of, um, it's a very polarizing um, topic, the, the relationship between Meryl and Vash. I personally feel that the show 
was alluding to them eventually becoming canon. And there's a couple of reasons why. Um, so I'm, I, I took some notes here. So the first time we hear Vash call Meryl or Millie really by either of their names is in episode 22 when they're driving to, um, the four of them are driving in the car and uh, it's the episode where they, they have, it's the Zazie the Beast episode mm-hmm. where they are with the, the, the abandoned children. But the episode starts off with um, them driving in a car and Meryl's looking at Vash and, and clearly he's thinking about some pretty heavy things and he calls, she calls out to him, you know, asking like, hey Vash, are you okay? Or like, hey Vash. And he looks at her and says, yes, Millie, or yes, Meryl, what's up? And I realized like that's the first time, episode 22 is the first time he actually addresses her by name. And what's interesting is that the episode before this, I believe, is when they're finally reunited um, after Vash disappeared on them. Um, and at the end of that episode, Vash is sitting on the ground and Meryl just quietly comes over and sits down next to him and he says, hey, long time no see. So I think that's the point in the show where Meryl comes to terms with her feelings for Vash because up until then, she's always like, He's a, he's a stupid person. He's an idiot. He just has dumb luck or whatever, trying to deny who he truly is. And up until that point, or just after that point, when he finally calls her by her first name, he's been trying to distance himself from her and from Millie, because I think it's hard for him to have a connection with somebody because he's scared that, that he could cause them to be hurt. Um... And so as we move throughout episode 22, I noticed that in general, when Vash is in a serious mood, his sunglasses are on. He's thinking about something like, shit's serious if his sunglasses are on. And mm-hmm. throughout that whole episode, he's obviously trying to make it through um, all the tough things that, that have been going on until this point um, and, and the things that he knows are, are coming soon with, with knives. But it's not until they're with the kids and Meryl is helping the kids um, cook and she's teaching them how to cook that Vash finally takes his sunglasses off. And he's, she, so she's helping them, right? And he's standing in the back with Wolfwood and he's just observing her. And Wolfwood says something like, you know, women are amazing or I can't remember what exactly he said, but mm-hmm. basically commenting that women are amazing, aren't they? And Vash smiles as he's looking at Meryl and says, yes, they are. And then he takes his sunglasses off and, and his goofy personality comes back out. So I'm like, okay, something here with Meryl, like maybe he hasn't admitted it, but I feel like he's developing feelings for her. That's my personal thought. So before I move on, I mean, did you get a sense of that? I felt it like it was a little more one-sided because there were obvious allusions with Meryl developing feelings for, um, for Vash. And even in the episode where he goes off into the not the sunset but he goes off into the distance to go face knives like she regrets not being transparent with him about her feelings and that's where like she starts crying to millie about that and millie starts comforting her um so i think i was like it's very blatant that the show wants you to pick up on millie um developing feelings for him you mean meryl yeah sorry meryl (laughs) i always get their names confused but um I didn't feel like it was the case with Vash. I mean, I know that you pointed out those couple instances where you see that Millie, there you go. <laughs> you see Meryl bring out um, that that emotion in him, um, but I don't really see. I didn't really catch on like Vash returning the favor a lot in that sense. So 
I'm glad you brought that up because that was something else I wanted to mention. That's usually the argument for the the anti-canon people when it comes to Marilyn Bash. Now, I'm not anti-canon. Okay, well, <laughs> I guess the people who don't who truly don't feel that they they're canon. I guess my thought is he's going through so much shit right now that he probably doesn't have the time or or even thought process to to consider feelings for Meryl. Um he he doesn't even really react when Wolfwood dies. But let's be honest, they had a great relationship, they had a great friendship, and I'm sure to a certain point he took it pretty hard. But there's just so like again, it's it's almost the literal weight of the world on his shoulders and all he can think about is is knives and like how am I gonna take care of this? But I think what um so that was what I struggled with watching the show was like, okay, it's clear that they'd be cute together and that she has feelings for him, but will they end up being together? And I think the way the show is set up, um, because Millie constantly is hinting that they should be together, right? Like she she recognizes mm-hmm. Meryl's feelings and she's like encouraging that. I think that that signals that maybe after the credits are done rolling that you could probably you could say it's in your head canon or whatever that they end up being together. Um, also that uh, at the end was it I don't know if it was the last episode or the second to last episode where um, Millie says like don't worry he'll be back and Meryl says like you know I, I he wouldn't keep a, a woman like me waiting mm-hmm. um, I just feel like if he truly didn't have feelings for her those two things wouldn't happen Millie wouldn't be constantly pushing them or at least she wouldn't be encouraging it because she wouldn't think that they're right together and the fact that they kind of drop that hint like he's going to come back and there's going to be more to this story like Meryl's finally going to admit her feelings um, there's a chance for them there because his mind will be clear. Although it may not be clear because now he's got the whole task of trying to, you know, turn knives around. Um, but my, my feeling is that if there was a post credit, you know, scene or whatever to kind of bring that part to, to close, I, f- I feel like, you know, maybe they could or would get together. I just think that there's so much hinting that they added to, uh, throughout the story about Meryl and Vash. Like, it's not like Millie teasing Meryl about liking Vash. It's like she's actively encouraging certain behaviors or certain actions on Meryl's part, um, including, you know, just be honest with him about your feelings. That It's their way of kind of hinting that they eventually do get together. And, you know, I hope part of that is not just, you know, because Millie's a very naive person. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> very, okay, yeah. Very, very simplistically about s- certain things, but, yeah. I mean, it, it's there, Marilyn Vash, and I, I'll, I'll respect, I'll respect the shippers for for those two. Well, at With, least we have Millie on our side when it yeah. comes to shipping. And at the end of the day, too, I just truly want Vash to be happy. Like, there's no hint that he's ever had a love interest. Like, yeah, he mm-hmm. likes to flirt with girls, and people have had crushes on him, but they've never hinted that there's an actual love interest. And I'm like. Meryl and Vash would be great together, and I just want Vash to be happy after all this shit that he went through. Like, get this guy a girl, okay? He needs this shit. Yeah, and that just make, makes me think back. I know last week I said, I think some, I said something about the line, along the lines of Rem being his previous love interest. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was obviously debunked here, so, oops. <laughs> but, yeah, I guess Meryl is his, would be his next best thing. I think if anything, he has mad respect for Meryl and cares mm-hmm. about her, at least on a deep level, because there's that episode where he literally like recognizes her as Rem, um, and I think sees her for for the good person that she is. So, 
I'm just glad that they ended up back together physically, even if they're not emotionally together at the end of it all, Mm -hmm. Um, which I think leads us into talking about the ending. Um, What did you think about the ending? And let me just say really quick that I remembered how it ended with knives, but I didn't remember any of the pieces that came during the credits, those still images that tell us kind of what happens right immediately after that. Um, So I I knew it was coming for the most part, but what what were your thoughts on that final episode? Yeah. um, Again, the outcome of the showdown between Vash and Knives, uh, like it's hinted at in the earlier episode that Vash has found a way, like he's going to save Knives. And you obviously see that here where he doesn't take any non-lethal, or he takes non-lethal gunshots to knives, like in his shoulders and his I think, hips, chest, or wherever. Um, like he doesn't fatally wound him, uh, which I thought was, you know, very fitting for for Vash's whole story trajectory to, to come to that conclusion. But... You know, as I was watching the the post credits roll, or as I was watching the credits roll, I was thinking like, that just can't be it. Like knives, even though you've he's shot knives, like knives is still going to have these ideologies in his head. Like there have to there has to be repercussions of Vash saving knives, and. You know, I'll take the happy ending for, for what it is, because, again, it, it's a conclusion of Ash's story, but I think that just leaves, like, an open book for, like, there's probably a potential storyline there of, like, how Vash has to deal with saving his brother, knowing that, you know, his brother's still going to harbor these negative thoughts about about humanity and, and what needs to be done with it. Yeah, and I think, to your point that he's always going to have these beliefs. I I noticed that um, towards the end of the showdown Knives shoots Vash in the shoulders and in the legs but doesn't do it in a way that incapacitates Vash. Then Vash immediately turns around and does the exact same thing back, back to Knives but successfully incapacitates him. And I took that as symbolism where they both have very different very opposite beliefs that they feel very strongly about but Vash is always going to have the upper hand because his is the the righteous set of beliefs mm-hmm. and he's better at at sticking to them right like he he's the more talented one he's the more skilled one in terms of being an ace gunman because he's able to do exactly what knives tried and failed to do um and incapacitates him in in the same way that Vash is so strong to his beliefs and he knows that his beliefs are right that no matter what knives does or says he will always be able to over- overcome that. But I think the the ending in general was pretty... So the backstory pieces of it were good. I, I liked the additional relationship building there, and, and you finally got to see what the hell happened after they crash-landed on the planet. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting to see how, not naive, but how, fa- how much faith Vash had in his brother, where he even after he killed Rem... And all those people, he continues to travel with him for many, well, like 15 plus years after that, mm-hmm. um, until there's a turning point where Vash recognizes, like, I can't do this right now. I don't think I can save him right now and runs away from him. Um, but it's like all of that for what over 100 years has been 
culminating and, and sitting with Vash, and now he's able to finally do what he first wanted to do and save his brother, um, and hopefully does that successfully, but we, I guess we'll never really truly know. Yeah, although I, I do appreciate that there was a little bit of closure. Um, yeah, I'm thinking of like the ending of Bebop, where like Spike's story is very open-ended, um, but here... Yeah, again with the nice screenshots or photos you see at the end like you you see Vash returning to the town where Meryl and Millie are um, so getting that sense of closure was, was pretty nice but I, get, I think there's just a, another can of worms that could have been opened um, afterwards and thinking about the ending so again like the, that, that part of, of that last episode was great the part that I didn't like which I don't know if, if maybe you felt similar was the fact that the showdown was somewhat anticlimactic. Like, it was an interesting showdown. There really wasn't any music, which I, I think is okay, but it was so quick. Like, it was mm. just so quick, and it ended so fast, and I was like, that's it? Like, I'm sure in real life it probably would be that quick. If you're shooting guns at each other, I think it's going to be pretty quick when someone gets hit that the showdown's going to end. But it was just like, all of this has been built up for the majority of the season, and then all we get is this little bit of of um you know action them fighting with their guns not a lot of dialogue not a lot of like questioning knives like what why did you do all this or whatever Mm -hmm. and then it's just done and like he's he's incapacitated and and bash wins like it it would just it didn't seem super satisfying yeah and one thing i noticed like there's obviously there's a commercial break from um the version like the streaming version that we watch um and like I know, when it when it comes back from the commercial break, you just all of a sudden see, um, Vash and Knives like face off against each other. Yeah. Like it. Like wait you, to clarify, it, there's not a commercial break because we watched it on Hulu. Hulu. It wasn't a literal commercial break, but it's it's a cut. You know, like one of those fake black yeah. cuts um, that are still stuck in some of the older shows because they actually embedded them in the show. That's what you're referencing, right? Yeah. Um, it's the title where you see Vash sitting and he's his silhouette. I think it's first in blue and then it's in red when it comes back. Oh, yeah, back it's his trigun. Yeah. Um, but, like, you're immediately propelled into, like, the middle of their fight. Like, you don't see the beginning of it, which I thought was, was a little bit annoying. And there was a second instance of the show cutting out, like, a, an important action piece. And it was when... Um, Chapel, like he he was defeated by Wolfwood in the Paradise episode, but you see his arm suddenly raise up, and you know it's Legato controlling Chapel to to finish off Wolfwood, but you never see like the killing blow. You it's only implied once you see Wolfwood um, come up to Vash afterwards and tell Vash like where Knives is, and then he has that whole Chapel or the the whole scene where. He's in the chapel. And the killing blow when Wolfwood. Wait, when you're saying Chapel shoots Wolfwood. Remember, like, because you know, like, yeah, you're saying Wolfwood kill- is like he's mortally wounded when he talks to. When Vash. you're saying the killing blow, you're not saying like Wolfwood shooting Chapel. No, it's when Legato is controlling Chapel to to shoot Wolfwood. See, I was fine with that because. I think that that makes the the death more of a surprise, right? Because you hear mm. the gunshots and you're like, okay, so <clears> what happened? And then you see Wolfwood approach Vash. You're like, oh, okay, good, he's fine. But then as he's walking away, you're like, oh my god, there's blood. What's happening here? So mm-hmm. I think in that that instance, it was fine. 
Yeah. Um, but I don't, I think going back to this finale, like you don't get that similar like impact because I can understand with that, like there's a, with Wolfwood's, um, mortal wound, like you, you see that later on, but here, like, was it really necessary to cut out the beginning of the fight? Because other than that, like you said, there's no discussion between Vash and Knives of like their conflicting ideologies um, nothing of importance after that besides like their angel arm face off mm-hmm. um, so for them to just cut out that that beginning of the duel just to have a gunfight that went on a little bit too long I think and then like obviously the climax of it was the whole angel arm thing and then Vash shooting down Knives but it was just weird having them start in the middle of that sequence. Yeah, I feel like they needed one more episode. Like, one more episode to flush out those last puzzle pieces um, of their relationship and then to give them a proper face-off with dialogue that helps us understand, like... Like, I'm sure Vesh has questions. Like, I'm sure he has a shitload of questions for, mm-hmm. for Knives. Like, it's like, what the fuck? Why would you do all of this? And, like, I'm sure he has things that he immediately wants to say to his brother because it's been years, years and years and years since they've seen each other. Um, but you don't get any of that. I will say, though, I mean, as much as I'm complaining about that particular fight scene, that's the most that I could have asked for. That and Wolf not dying, but clearly that didn't happen. That's the most I could have asked for for this show is that Vash, who is just such innately a wonderful person, gets a happy ending. He saves his brother. He returns to, to Millie and Meryl, the people who are pretty much like his his best friends or his, his family at this point. Um, and hopefully, or we assume, is able to, to start on this new journey of helping his brother overcome these demons and um, ho- hopefully establishing a normal life for himself. Um, so I, I am very, very glad that the ending was happy. I just, having just like four or five, you know, still images that, that wraps that up for us, like, I like it and I don't like it. Like, I like that it was just like, hey, happy ending for him. That's it. That that's it. The, the show wraps up the end. But I'm also like, I could have easily and and very much gone for a full, you know, couple of scenes where where he returns and maybe has a bit of dialogue about his intentions with, with knives and and you know saying I'm going to save him or whatever. Um, so I think this the show would have benefited from one more episode again to flush out that the the fight between Vash and, and knives and to to give us a more well well-rounded happy ending but i'm just so happy that it ended on a good note i really really am yeah but um to kind of expand on your previous point like i like i like that the ending like there's closure to it and it's it's a very positive ending but i think like it the show would have benefited more not just from an extra episode but just like even more additional episodes because as much as it tries to fit in a coherent story and provide you with a lot of background details um, and uh, like a prologue of sorts with what was going on before the series started, like it, I think it, the show just cuts out too much where you feel comfortable with it. Because um, there's the episode where, again, Vest um, leaves without a trace after the Augusta um, or destruction of Augusta. And like it's like you find out that he's just been living his life as a recluse with was it Lena mm-hmm. and her grandmother as Eric's, and I feel like there could have been 
a lot of storylines within there, like separate episodes of him leading this tranquil life and then having him kind of come to realization that he can't just do this while there's this bigger conflict that's going on that he needs to be a part of. Um, another instance, um, I don't know if we, we could have benefited more from learning more about Wolfwood rather than just getting it all like a condensed version. We can always benefit from more Wolfwood no, episodes. Yeah. <laughs> but like we only got it all in the, the episode where he ultimately yeah. dies. Like I think maybe we could have had like a, a three episode arc that goes into his, his backstory before he has to come to terms with ending up like with saving Vash instead of going through with what his actual mission was. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with you. I think at minimum it would have, it needed one more episode mm-hmm. at, in the ideal situation though. Um, to your point, I think it needed like what a whole nother season because there right. were so many motivations that were lost. Like for example, knives hating all of humanity based off of from what we saw was just one guy bullying him. I'm like, that's a pretty drastic motivation. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. It felt like it was really forced or, or not super believable. And then again, like Wolfwood's backstory, like he tells you that he lived, lived a rough life, but I'm like, okay, I saw him shoot a guy and that was it. Like yeah. that, that's, that doesn't, that doesn't seem convincing. And then, um, with like everything that happened between knives and, and bash and Rem on that spaceship, like they're, there were so many unanswered questions and so so many things that were very confusing. Like the biggest question of who or what the fuck are Vash and Knives? Like uh, yeah. you're they're a plant. I only knew that even after watching the show three times. I only knew that because you read the synopsis on on the wiki and then told me that. So there there's just so much good stuff that would have come out of additional episodes from the show and a better budget slightly better writing because mm-hmm. um, some of the the way it's drawn I'm like oof I, I'd love to see them redraw um, or do like a, a remastered version of Trigun um, sometime in this this day and age because the way the the movie looks bat was it Badland Badland Rumble Badlands Rumble looks amazing I'm like can you imagine if Trigun was redrawn like that or the way anime is drawn nowadays like it would be amazing mm-hmm. and like having additional episodes and having additional budget would have given a, it a much stronger plot and much stronger writing yeah but I think I read somewhere like as much as like again this is a parallel with Bebop that Trigun really didn't attract an audience in Japan just cause it wasn't like it stuck out too much from other things that were airing like other anime that were airing at the same time um, so maybe that's why like they were very limited in what they could do uh but yeah, I think overall, the show would have benefited a lot more if it were a little more fleshed out, because um, yeah, it's it's better than getting these kind of condensed episodes and having to just process all that information at once instead of like truly trying to world build like they do with Attack on Titan or even with like My Hero. Yeah, like if you have to tell the audience something versus like show it to them then you know that's going to fall flat. Mm-hmm. Um, and this kind of, I guess, kind of round off uh, this episode with almost a discussion about whether or not 
Trigun should be considered like a classic anime at the level of Cowboy Bebop because I know like there there are inevitable comparisons to that and you kind of touched upon it like it's hard to kind of put them both on the same pedestal because there's a obviously there's like a, a difference in production quality um I guess the, the pacing of the story that you were talking about earlier um but like what do you think do you think it's still deserving of of that kind of status a classic anime. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So the the tricky part is the the term classic, um, uh, is very relative to the person and the generation and, and the way they grew up watching anime. I think for my or our generation, um, the those of us who grew up on Adult Swim anime, because this was one of the adults the Adult Swim anime. Absolutely, it's still, it's a classic and will continue to be a classic. Mm-hmm. It will never be as strong as Bebop, and that's fine. Um. But it's, it's also very different. Like, on the surface, it looks very similar to Bebop, but as you dig deeper, they're two very distinct and very different shows. So I, I strongly feel that they can both be classics. Um, yeah, I would say they, could, they would be classics in, in their own right. Because I think, I know I mentioned this before, like, Trigon does the whole concept of, a, like, space western a little bit. It, like, it's little more significant um, in this series than it is in Cowboy Bebop. And another thing that I think it has a slightly upper hand with is that it incorporates a lot more themes than I thought it would. Again, touching upon the religious aspect I was discussing about earlier, um, the whole thing of morality, perception of others, whereas, you know, Bebop, it, it kind of did the same thing. Um, but it almost felt like almost like a Seinfeld where it was like, at some points it was almost like a show about nothing. <laughs> um, yeah, like this, it had a lot of the same formula in the beginning of the show with individual or s- singular adventures mm-hmm. with a, an overarching story. Mm-hmm. But it took longer in Bebop to get that overarching story really going. Yeah. And, um, but get like, as much as it has all of these really interesting themes and motifs like it's just again held back by a little bit of the production value um the conclusion that like it's satisfying but it kind of still leaves you wanting more um and it like at points it just feels like they're just rushing along to the story just to get you to the end um and like you said like bebop also was like 26 episodes but there's an advantage there where the storyline feels a little bit more contained um where like you're presented with like what you you're like presented with what the show gives you like you and you don't need to know any more than that and then you get to the ending with with spite and vicious um and like you know enough about each character's motives and backstory whereas here like with vash like you even though like we talked about that the ending was was finite there's still that open item with with knife being alive um but again, overall, I think, as, as, I, as I mentioned, uh, Trigon and Bebop are, anima- are, are classics in their own different rights. And I think like these are the shows that are definitely worth any anime fans watch. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Trigon, I think it's not quite enough. It gets a lot of respect, but I think it deserves more respect. Especially um, um, like Johnny on Buck. Don, Johnny Young Bosch, like, this was his first acting role, and I think he pretty much, like, hit the nail on the head yeah. with getting, like, fascist goofiness down. 
I know like his his serious notes can get a little more hammy, especially whenever he's saying like she didn't have to die. Yeah. Like, it just didn't it, like it didn't he didn't nail the tone too right, but I think he really I think he helped elevate Fash the Stampede to the kind of icon that that he is right now. I, I remember watching the trailer for the the movie Badlands Rumble um, dub, and I was when Johnny Young Bosch speaks as Vash, I'm like, yeah, he's clearly refined his voice acting talents mm-hmm. over the last decade because he sounds so much better in the movie. But yeah, <laughs> when it's that long, I think it's like a ten year period between when the show mm-hmm. aired and when that movie came out. Um, yeah, it's it, obviously he's gonna be a lot better in ten years, but it's like very distinct. It's night and day. <laughs> yeah. And obviously, like we have this show to thank for for launching his career, because without that, like we wouldn't have we wouldn't really have a John Young Bosch um, to shower with accolades. Yeah. Um, which brings us to the last part of our show, which is our ranking, um, which I want we wanted to save for uh, the conclusion of part two, just once we had a more holistic view of the series. So, how many? Double dollars would you give Trigun out of ten? Um, I would give it a solid. Oh geez, watching it now, I'm trying to think. Cause back in the day, I would have given it probably higher than what I give it now. But it's not to say that I like the show any less. It's just I think watching it at the age I am now, in the lens that I'm, I'm, I'm viewing most anime now versus when I was a kid. Um, I'd say an eight. A solid mm. eight. I wouldn't go higher than an eight. Um, I could maybe teeter slightly lower, maybe like a seven point five, just because of the way it aged and and how some of the things were were rushed and some of the writing. But I I I would say it's a it's definitely an eight out of ten. Same with me. I would give this eight double dollars out of ten, because it's not perfect, and like we've already explained our reasons for that, but. The show I f- feel is is still iconic in its own right, um, and like I said, I it, this is a show that I will definitely want to watch again down the road, um, and also it's just a nice mix of your typical comedy and drama, um, and yeah, just makes you feel good, makes you feel like the world needs more love and peace. Yeah, we got a happy ending. That's that's good for me. And so that wraps up Strictly Anime, episode 10. Um, I know there was a lot to unpack for uh, our review of Trigun Part 2, but hopefully you guys enjoyed it and stuck with us to the very end. And for those of you who haven't watched the show in a while, maybe this will encourage you to, to pick it up again and, and relive its glory. It's worth the rewatch, for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, hopefully until next time, maybe we'll also catch the Trigun Badlands Rumble movie. Um, cause I, I do want to, to see what that's all about, which I think it takes place at some point during the show. Right. I think somebody said it was like between episodes 21 and 22 or maybe mm-hmm. 22 and 23. No, I think it was Bebop. Wait, yeah, no, I know. Like, yeah, I know. Bebop. Yeah. Bebop. <laughs> I know their movie also takes place some point during the show um and i think the same with trigun which is obvious because we do see wolfwood make an appearance yeah and i'm sure 
like you're probably thrilled you'd probably be thrilled to see him again hell yeah um not the same voice actor though but it's it's still wolfwood um but yeah until next time and special shout out to super newt ensemble for the jingle that you hear at the beginning and end of this podcast and in these ever increasingly strange times we hope that you all continue to stay safe stay healthy and stay weep So, Stop. for the first time, <laughs> I'm